Well, thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Andrew Smith. I'm the CEO and founder of Outrider. And with me here today is Arshan Porsoe. And I am thrilled to hear more about Third Wave and all you're doing inside the warehouse. Uh, Arshan, uh, with everything going on in the supply chain these days, share a little bit more about what Third Wave is doing with automation inside the warehouse. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Uh, happy to. Uh, so in, in short, we're automating the forklifts. Uh, we really saw this as being kind of the heart of the warehouse. And uh, when we saw, when we were starting the company, we went out and talked to a few operators and, and saw what these machines were doing in these environments. And they're just fantastic. They've been around for 100 years and a great target for automation. Um, the way that we're building the tech is, I think, kind of interesting um, in that we know that the world is unpredictable. And so instead of trying to solve all the cases right up front, um, we build a system that knows it's not always going to know. Um, so the robot can ask for help when it needs to. We call it shared autonomy. Um, and basically, as opposed to some of the other folks that were um, building really constrained cases um, where they can do what, you know, lights out warehousing is, is a oft-repeated oft phrase for these goals. Um, but we just acknowledge that there's going to be people involved, um, at least for a long while. Um, and so build a system that's robust. It can deal with these things um, and just ask for help when it needs to. And the great thing about modern, modern computing, modern machine learning is that when you ask for help, you get the help, you can actually learn from it, and the system just gets better over time and remains flexible. Um, so we're, we're pretty excited about it, and, uh, and it's going well so far. Um, I'd love to know, um, you know, we're, we're inside the warehouse, Andrew. What, what are you guys doing out there on the, the outside of the doors? Well, certainly everything you're doing is, is totally inspiring, and I'm sure uh, it's uh, very related, so it's great to have this conversation. Uh, to, to put it simply, we're focused on automating outside the warehouse. Uh, so what Outrider does is we automate everything about that space between the about the space between the warehouse door and what happens with over the road vehicles. Uh, and by doing that, we can deliver higher levels of efficiency, safety, and sustainability to our customers. Uh, just like you commented about having people in the loop. Essentially, uh, it's it's a very similar system. We can execute all of the key tasks in a yard autonomously. So that means connecting to trailers, moving to trailers, backing trailers to loading docks. Uh, but we can also do that in a way that uh, has a layer of management software over the top of it so that people can understand when there is an issue within these controlled warehouse environments. So really a, uh, an extremely uh, related field and I think there's a lot of things we can talk about how about how that links together. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit more about where you see the future of the warehouse? Because I could certainly see a warehouse with automation both inside and outside its doors. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so it's interesting. Um, we we talk to a lot of uh, potential customers, you know, try and build the product the way that, that they want it, not the way that we want it necessarily. Um, and so um, there's some baselines. You talk to people and they want, you know, a certain number of pallets moved per hour, um, safety, of course, is always important. You have to assume that in these systems, I think. Um, but what's what's interesting to me, the the more veteran operators that we talk to, um, they're not interested so much in the speed numbers um, as much as sort of the reliability and predictability numbers. Um, so delivering the right pallet at the right time is important as opposed to, you know, getting it there 20 miles an hour or getting it there 10 miles an hour. It's important that it be there at the right time. Um, and so that's one of the, the great things about automation. You can there's more predictability in these legs of the system, um, which of course, and then I'm sure we'll get into this more, um, pushes on where these systems come together. So this is the interesting part of talking to you, um, is that we actually have a contact point uh, through the door there. And so if, if we can organize it well, um, it'll, the whole system will work a lot better. 
Um, and then this goes, you know, again, back to this notion of human in the loop, uh, which is that unexpected things happen all the time. It's, it's, it's expected that, you know, your pallets are deteriorating, um, little mechanical widgets fail, payloads start leaning over or whatever. Um, and the robot can't constrain the environment so much that it's just not functional for, for normal people, for the, the flexibility is needed there. Um, and so uh, that's, that's what we concentrated on roughly. Um, I'd love to know, you know, on, on your side, so we, we get to these interstitials and uh, we want to interact with your team. Uh, what kind of things are you guys working on? That's great. So, uh, well, one of the things that got me excited about your system as well, that it's a uh, it's an all-electric system. And certainly when we saw all the challenges that were taking place outside the door of the warehouse uh, and what the yard of the, the distribution yard of the future would look like, uh, it was clear that there was a uh, need for automation to get people out of an unsafe environment where you have 80,000 pound pieces of equipment. There was a need to dramatically increase levels of productivity so you didn't have congestion uh, of the over-the-road trucks trying to get to these warehouses. Uh, and there was a need to um, address some of the inefficiencies that just exist with having big diesel trucks outside the door um, sitting around idling, waiting to move a trailer from point to point. Uh, so uh, like your system that's all electric and, and providing additional safety and efficiency outside, we layered our automation on top of electric yard trucks to uh, move trailers around the yard and know where they are at any one point. What's interesting, I'd, I'd be interested to learn more about your direction there, but uh, getting people away from emissions is obviously a, a great goal, uh, but also there's higher levels of reliability uh, with electric yard truck platforms than there are with diesel truck platforms. You don't have to apply to, you don't have to uh, adhere to emission standards because you aren't giving anything else off. And so we saw that platform as a uh, much more efficient platform to layer automation on top of. Uh, and I believe that um, that uh, that is a one step closer to having a fully uh, zero emission distribution yard for, for shared customers that we have. Um, Talk to me a little bit about uh, when you think about integrating these systems uh, for your customers, um, what are uh, other pieces of advice that you have with your customers about how they deploy a system like this? Yeah. Um, so, the, you know, the, these are not trivial investments they're making, um, either in, in just cash, but also in the time resources and everything they put into this. And so keeping them flexible. And again, it goes back to these interstitials. So we're, we're working on, and you know, there's other automation companies working on making each leg of this thing more efficient and, and more predictable. Um, but where it comes together, make, keep making sure that it's flexible um, so that the, the, when the requests come in, you deal with them quickly. And when the outcome isn't quite, you know, the inputs and the outputs are always very complicated. And you don't want to change on one part of your system to affect everything downhill. Um, so it's really it's making each component flexible enough to deal with the changes that happen every day um, seems super important. Um, and when we talk to the more veteran operators, they they all seem to agree on this, um, that you don't want to call out a whole engineering team um, just because you have some new kind of uh, pallet coming in. In our case, I'm sure in, in your case, it's slightly different. Um, but for us, you know, these these little changes that happen kind of constantly and what humans historically are just fantastic at dealing with, um, you want to make sure that that the automation systems are, you know, a, try and be as good. Um, and again, just to plug shared autonomy one more time, um, actually, it can ask for help if the pallets have changed and it looks slightly different than it did yesterday. There's no reason it can't still pick it up. It just has to make sure that it's safe before it does it. Um, and then hopefully learn too. 
It's such a good point. And, and I think we also, the modularity of the system is so critically important because each warehouse, each distribution yard is going to look a little bit different. So having those modular components that are extremely reliable with the ability to give help to them is a big deal. And, and Arshan, uh, just uh, touching on that subject again, early on, the idea of, of assisting a robotic system is a great idea, but the idea that someone has to teleoperate every single move seems like a very inefficient way of not really solving the problem. And so if I'm correct, uh, your system operates like ours, that if, if there's ways you can give help without having to have armies of trained people doing exactly what the forklift guys would be doing anyway in the warehouse, is that true? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, it, and it's an interesting feature in that a lot of what what you do as a forklift operator now um, is is not that hard to do. The, the bulk of it is just making sure you don't hit anything. Um, and so computers are very good at that. But then when it comes to making those decisions that humans are best at, uh, you want to provide, and this is where the remote pop comes in really handy, actually, is making those decisions at the times when they're required. Um, and and so I'm, I don't know how you guys' system works actually on this. Do you have a similar setup for that? Well, exactly. We really leverage the human in the loop that our goal is always to have our system do as much of that work on a daily basis as humanly possible. Um, but no robots are perfect, so you have to uh, be able to uh, address those issues. And we uh, we have built in systems to know about problems before that dispatcher even knows about them from our remote operating system overseeing uh, multiple our vehicles in multiple places. So so very similar that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's any interesting, other... as, as these systems get more and more automated, um, you know, the people are collecting telemetry actually as its own goal right now. Um, and with these systems, the telemetry comes built in. Um, and so you can actually, you can imagine these meta things happening afterwards. So after, let's assume a warehouse has Outrider on the outside and Third Wave on the inside. Um, you're going to start building this corpus of data that helps you make better decisions about what, like how to get more bandwidth in general through the whole building. Um, and so I, I, looking forward, I guess, to when our two systems can work together um, and, and get keep building on this. Um, what, what are some of the things that uh, have your customers most excited these days? Um, you know, so uh, one of the things that sets us apart is doing high bay uh, pick and place. Um, and this is important because you want to make sure, and this is what, what I was going to earlier a little bit, um, you want to make sure that when it gets to the end point, it's not something that it can't accomplish itself. Because if it goes through all the trouble of getting there, and then at the end, you just need a human to be standing there in order to put the pallet away, um, then the machine isn't doing a, a fantastic job. Um, and so being able to pick it up at the dock, go all the way to wherever in the warehouse you want to put it, whether it be on the floor or high up in a rack, um, and be able to robustly do that. Um, and super safe. Uh, this is the other thing that's nice about these uh, um, human-in-the-loop systems is that the human's not there when it's doing a lot of the dangerous work, um, frankly. So in the case of a forklift, it's it's the most dangerous in a warehouse um, place to be is sitting on the forklift itself. Um, and it's, you know, just built into the nature of it. You're moving a, a one-ton load out of a, a rack that's 30 feet up in the air. There's no way to make it perfectly safe. Um, but you can make it so that there's no humans nearby, um, so that if something does happen, it's a machine that takes the hit, not the not the human. Absolutely, and I think that's probably something that a lot of people don't think about. It's not just the functionality of the system, but it's the functionality of the system 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And we both are dealing with large equipment. I think we've got you by by a few additional pounds, but uh, you have even more people working around here. So, so yeah, when we've got 80,000 pounds of equipment moving autonomously. Uh, we want to keep people away from that. We want the system to be intrinsically safe. 
Um, and it's a uh, it's a pretty exciting future where you where you can dramatically bring down uh, the accidents that take place in these dangerous logistics environments. So um, I will look forward to uh, seeing the statistics in inside and outside the warehouse coming down as we go forward. Arshan, tell me a little bit more about uh, the technology you bring to market's incredible. Tell me more about the team that you put together to uh, bring warehouse automation to life. Yeah, you know, it's uh, me and my two co-founders, James and Mac. Uh, we've been building robots for ages, um, all sorts of robots. We, we always like to give the story of underwater robots, satellites. Um, between the three of us, we've done literally every kind of robot there's to know. Um, and we were looking, we were talking to each other about getting some of the prototypes that we built out into the real world where it can actually affect things, you know, make, make people safer, actually have a good impact on the world, um, as opposed to just really fancy lab robots that end up sitting in a closet and you talk about 10 years later, I guess, like I am now. Um, and so uh, um, we, we took a look around and forklifts are this fantastic use case for a robot. Uh, it's not so, you know, uh, the, all three of us had done some work in the autonomous vehicle space on the road, on cars. Um, and there, it's, it's really interesting that the horizon is really far out. And just like I was saying, we don't want to build another thing that doesn't have an impact for a long time, even if that impact is going to be huge, um, clearly. Um, so we looked at the forklifts. Not only is it an autonomous um, vehicle problem in the sense that you have to drive it around from point A to point B, um, but also it's a manipulation problem, which got us really excited. So you have to not only try not to touch the world at all costs, which is basically what autonomous vehicles are trying to do on the road, um, you also have to make a decision about when to touch the world. Um, and that's something that the three of us are know we could pull off in a way that uh, would be hard to follow, shall we say, for, for our potential competitors. Um, and so we, we built the system out. We started talking to customers, um, and we were just super excited by the way the, the technology was developing. Um, and so far, it's, it's just been fantastic. Um, I'm curious, uh, your team, how'd you get how writers started? I know you have a, a bit of a history in, in this sort of space as well. So, uh, so yeah, my background in the trucking industry was um, uh, looking uh, first at actually not in what was happening in distribution yards, but what was happening over the road trucking. And we saw that there was a lot of uh, trailers being moved around the country. And it turns out the worst shape to move down the highway from an aerodynamics and fuel efficiency standpoint is a big rectangular box, but that's what everybody ships cargo in. And so my first company was building more aerodynamic semi-trailers to save fuel economy. But in that process, I spent a lot of time in distribution yards and was involved with a number of robotics companies and, and automation companies in the early days and realized yards were this perfect place for automation because it was a confined environment, uh, defined moves of these yard trucks moving trailers around the yard and tons of pain points. So people were misplacing trailers. The over-the-road trucks were getting into congestion, trying to come in and out of these yards. Trailers weren't where they needed to be so that the forklifts could even unload them. And we realized that we could bring together uh, autonomy uh, in this application and automate not just what trucks do, but all the other manual tasks that people do in these yards. So from a team standpoint, um, it's a very unique team we pulled together. Um, our core autonomy team was a group that had been doing autonomous vehicles for over 15 years and actually led most of the Department of Defense autonomous vehicle programs over the last decade. Uh, they saw this use case as the perfect place for autonomy, so they came on board. And then we had to complement that with uh, deep expertise and manipulation to do things like connect the trucks to the trailers, as well as deep logistics experiences to make sure that these autonomous vehicles are doing exactly what you need them to do when, they're, when you want them to do, do it and integrate with warehouse management or yard management system. So um, really unique team. There's over a hundred people 
uh, that all they do on a daily basis is work on reinventing what that yard of the future looks like. I'll say one other thing about team that I think is so relevant to anyone in this space is it's not just about building the product, but making sure it's a really streamlined way to deploy it with customers. And I'm sure you guys think a lot about that, these modular systems, these super durable systems that allow people to deploy them with little disruption to their operations and get all the benefits of autonomy. Um, yeah, and to keep and to keep doing that even. So it's not just the install process, but you want the lifetime of the of the product to be really fantastic for, for our customers. Um, so as you know, I, I, I drone on about this, I guess, but things in the real world change a lot. Um, you change the layout in the yard as well as in the warehouse, I'm sure. Um, and you want to make sure that the system can flexibly deal with that. Um, do you see a lot of that? Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, with most of these customers, too, you know, most of these customers don't have one factory or one warehouse only. This is something that they want to have go across their network as quickly as possible. Um, and, and, you know, looking looking forward, I think that's the, the really exciting thing is everyone knows this automation is coming. And so it's a question of who's going to get the competitive advantage up front by deploying it early and quickly across their networks. Um, what, you know, from your perspective, five years from now, uh, talk about what, how new and different is automation going to be five years from now, or do you think this is just going to be the new standard? Yeah, I, I totally think it'll be the new standard. One of our, one of our investors likes to say that, you know, in 10 years, you'd be insane not to have a system like this. Um, and it really is true. The, the changes that have been coming through robotics and you see it all over the news, of course, um, with again, autonomous cars being the, the highlight there. Um, but those same what what those bring the economics that those bring to market um, really make forklifts automation indoors uh, much much more cost effective much safer um, and more efficient just for a better system we've we've seen all of this stuff happening recently with pressures on the supply chain um, and I'm sorry you're one no I was just going to say you're probably seeing what we're seeing too in terms of there's a lot of people that got caught up in the dream of the robo taxi, which is still very exciting and there's great progress, but uh, we are having tons of engineers that are eager to get equipment, autonomous vehicles and equipment into real world application coming from those autonomous vehicle companies that maybe aren't moving as quickly and looking to work on things like forklifts and yard trucks, et cetera. And you must be feeling that as well as, as people realize these near-term immediate opportunities for real world automation. Yeah, and it really is rewarding to as an as an engineer, as an entrepreneur, um, it really is rewarding to see the thing that you're working on actually have a real effect. Um, and you know, it's it's hard to beat, frankly, when when you can see that running in a real system. I'm always highly aware that the folks that uh, the folks that do logistics in my last company, we always had a joke: if you do your job well, then people leave you alone, maybe give you a pat in the back, but they get really upset when things don't work. So. Uh, we're we're being very focused on helping the people that run these operations uh, have easier uh, easier nights sleep as they deal with these very intense daily operations, especially with everything going on with supply chains now. Yeah, hallelujah. Is there any other impacts that uh, the pandemic has had on your business? Um, you know, near term, uh, it made a few things harder for us. We at the end of the day, we are developers. We had to go in and, and try and get work done, even though we're we're work from home or we have to socially distance. Uh, we are seeing a lot of our customers um, are even more interested, um, is the truth. They, they see where their supply chain broke, the, the parts that they you know, were a little bit more dependent on the, what, what was going on around them than they are comfortable with, and they're looking to automate those sections. Um, 
And so I, I imagine yours is your, your situation is roughly the same. You're seeing people wanting to um, help with the social distancing roughly in the short term, but then build a more reliable system. Absolutely. There was, there was that sort of short period of no one knew what was happening. And then the tremendous uh, impact on, on e-commerce growth um, is certainly not something that's going to slow down at all in the, in the foreseeable future. So uh, lots of interest in getting people um, uh, getting people away from having to touch lots of pieces of equipment. Um, a lot of focus on just supporting the sheer volume of, of certain products going through these supply chains all of a sudden. So, so yes, we've, you know, while the pandemic has been this horrible thing in so many ways, um, certainly on the supply chain, it's driving even more innovation in this space. And we certainly expect that to continue. Any other challenges for you before all the people watching this uh, place their orders uh, to to deploy autonomous forklifts in the in the warehouse? You know, keeping up with customer demand is a challenge. Humble brag. <laughs> uh, we really are uh, with the COVID stuff going on. We're getting a lot of people asking us for how how soon can we deliver this thing? Um, and you know, at the end of the day, we're a, a smaller company and we're building up, so we'd love to fill every every request that comes in the door. Um, yeah, so for, for those customers that are interested in working with you, how does how does Third Wave think about the best customers to work with? Because certainly we've had the same thing. We've been with the Fortune 200 companies we're working with. We've been very selective in in getting the right uh, right use cases, but most importantly, some of the right team members on these big companies because it takes a partnership to really scale this technology quickly. What 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 are the profile of your perfect customers, and and what can these big companies do to to uh, to be good customer, be good partners with you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, the interacting with the right team on the other side, it turns out, you know, we're we're trying to serve a common use case. So there's there's plenty of opportunities for that. Um, but having the right team on the other side of the the video chat nowadays um, is super important for us. Um, and it's it's actually the the companies that are easier to deal with here um, have people dedicated to almost just impedance matching. Um, from the scales where we work, um, as you know, currently a 20-person company and growing, uh, to where some of these companies we're dealing with, you know, 20,000 people. Um, and so I couldn't agree with you more on having the right the right set of people on the other side of the table. And we found a few great great folks that we're very very happy working with. Um, I want I yeah yeah that's great. You know, we we uh, uh, you know I think the the key thing from our standpoint is recognizing that these are the core operations of these companies. So it, you know, when you, when you start ramping up, taking over facilities, uh, being able to, to put people at ease that, that these systems work and can support them is a, is a huge piece of it. Um, but laying the groundwork ahead of time to make sure everybody's aligned and there's the right support on both sides of that equation is, is critical to making one of these deployments successful. And I guess with that, should we close up or, yeah, ha- happy to. I mean, I think just my my last thoughts is uh, any other um, any other thoughts for uh, for the future from your side. Um, well, you know, um, getting getting these fleets out there and seeing them get better and better. So right now, what we're shooting for is one one operator being able to manage sort of ten of these forklifts um, and seeing the fleets grow and learn. Um, that that number will naturally kind of rise, and I can't wait to see the stats on that. Um, how about yourself? What what future things are you looking forward to? You know, I think as with any um, uh, innovation curve taking place uh, today, what we're talking about seems like, you know, crazy next generation technology. My expectation is that in a few years, it would be absolutely crazy 
uh, to be operating a warehouse in a yard that wasn't autonomous, electrified, and, and much safer than it is today. So it'll be fun to uh, go down that path. Yeah, cheers. I'll be there with you. <laughs> um, so uh, I guess with that, um, say say goodbye. Thank, thank you, Freightways, for hosting us. Um, and thanks, everybody who's watching. Um, and don't forget, I mean, I think clearly Andrew and I love talking about this stuff. Um, so don't don't hesitate to reach out to us directly. Um, I know I'd, I'd love to answer any questions. I always learn from those interactions. Thanks, everybody, for their time.